As well as being a big John Hyatt fan for about uh, six years, I was a lay leader for a Unitarian Universalist congregation. And in my almost one of my last sermons that I gave, I decided to do the gospel according to John in parentheses, Hyatt. And so I shared his lyrics and I told his life story. Um, you were just mentioning through your hands. I played that in lieu of uh, organ during the church service. And I, I had a pretty good reaction, but I've got to say that the thing that made me happiest about doing that was there was someone who I noticed about halfway through the service was like bent over and I couldn't quite see what she was doing in her pews, but it turns out she was taking notes and it was someone who had been struggling with sobriety herself. And she was taking down all of the lessons that I was saying that I had called from John's life and his music. And when she approached me after the service, she asked for a copy, which I of course provided to her. But like, I think that is the coolest way that I have introduced John Hyatt's music to someone by saying like, here, here, take this and make your life better with these lessons. Welcome to John Hyamon, where we get off the Bruce Springsteen train and we get in the back of a pickup truck and head to Hyatt Town. We will be talking all about John Hyatt, the singer-songwriter from Indiana who is better known as a songwriter than he is a performer. But we're about to change your mind. And hopefully, if you're a longtime fan of John's music or a newbie, you enjoy our discussions. So once again, welcome to John Hyatt Live. In the streets of my hometown, I went looking for a fire just to burn it all down. You got a real fine look. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but we are continuing to be off the Bruce Springsteen train, and we are all in the back of a pickup truck <laughs> leaving Indiana it, because it continues to be John Hyatt month. So uh, let's uh, put the cow horns on the Cadillac, and we'll go to Memphis in the meantime. I think I've made enough John Hyatt puns now. Uh, Sylvian, welcome to the show. <laughs> that was a pro. You, you know, reference like the best of us Hyatt heads. Yes. Thank you so much. No problem. So welcome so much to the show. Thank you. Uh, give a little background uh, notice. Um, most of my guests have joined me on Hyatt Month, have been previous guests on Set Lessing Bruce. They, there is a small but devoted subset of Bruce Springsteen fans and John Hyatt fans, and they connect. Uh, but I had gone to a couple of John Hyatt Facebook pages saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And uh, Sylvan said, hey, I'm in. So <laughs> this is our first meeting. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Usually people ask me if I can stop talking about John Hyatt for an hour. So this is going to be a real treat to actually just be able to fan out. I would be able to buy front row anywhere Bruce is playing scalper tickets if I had money every time someone said, oh, I'm just excited I'm getting to talk because my friends and family tell me, hush, I don't <laughs> want to hear any more Bruce. So yes, I, I know that feeling. So yes. So, and that's why it's great that you did this podcast. Yes. So tell us about yourself. Um, well, 
I am just kind of a cubicle dweller, but I've always loved music. And um, I did want to kind of share a little bit of a connection to Bruce Springsteen and my fanaticism for John Hyde, if that's okay. okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. First of all, I have to um, tell a little bit of a story about my aunt. And I called her earlier today because the family legend is that she was a Bruce Springsteen fan before anybody else. Okay. And uh, the story that I had heard was that she uh, had a part-time job in high school cleaning offices. And one of them just happened to be a PR company that had this box that was going out to the dumpster of this tape that she found kind of interesting, which happened to be greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. So she put the box into the trunk of her car and listened to it, fell in love, as of course anyone would, and then just started passing them out. So I, I called her today to verify that story. And um, the dumpster might not have been completely accurate, but she did say that there was this box that didn't seem to be going anywhere or anyone paying attention to. And uh, she did pass it out to a lot of people. <laughs> and so um, my aunt is super cool. And that's uh, very cool. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah. She also wanted to share that, you know, she saved for weeks and weeks to be able to go see her first Bruce Springsteen show because he was charging four dollars and seventy five cents. <laughs> Uh, yes, as we are recording this, um, audience, it is at the end of July and we are in the middle of Ticketgate and there is wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, that there aren't enough tickets and the ones that are available are way too high for the first tour since 2016. And so it has been a while since uh, the E Street Band has hit the road. So there is pent up demand. Um, yes. Where are you calling us from? I'm calling from Vermont, a, a very small town, but thankfully the internet exists, so I can still yes. connect to fans and music. Yes, very nice, good. Uh, Burlington, any chance? <laughs> Burlington. Uh, the joke is the nice thing about Burlington is how close it is to Vermont. Okay, and, okay. Uh, that's our big city. So yes. Burlington's population, I think, might be around uh, maybe close to. 10,000? I'm not sure. And yeah. my town is 600 people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> be, uh, Burlington was where my wife's father was born. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And so, and he, he went to school there in the East Coast, and then he ended up moving to Lake Charles, Louisiana oh. uh, to get a job for at a chemical plant. And uh, so that's where he met um, my wife's mom you know, had three kids. And so when I went to work for a company called RealPage, they had an office in Burlington, Vermont. And I was like, how odd is that? That it's this <laughs> thing. So uh, yeah, so I always, every once in a while, I'll run into someone that's from Burlington. So um, yeah. And you yeah. know, Lake Charles is where Sonny Landreth is from, who yes. is the guitarist on Slow Turning. Yes. So, so yeah. absolutely. Uh, and, and actually, um, I was born in New Orleans also. And I was going to uh, kind of share that, although I didn't really know who John Hyatt was until uh, I was close to 10 years old, mm -hmm. um, I was brought home from New Orleans as a babe in arms. My mom uh, was a teen mom and didn't have the ability to support herself down there. So she came home on a plane. And one of the things that she brought with her was a vinyl of the Neville brothers, 
which they have a song by John Hyatt on that album called Washable Ink. And there's a lyric about little girl playing with the moonlight. That was kind of my unofficial lullaby. So I really like to say that I've been listening to John basically as long as I've been alive, although I wasn't really aware of it until later. I have tears in my eyes and I'm not <laughs> exaggerating. For one, I do remember the Neville brothers doing that. Um, you know, when you are a John Hyatt fan, you, you're always looking for little connections, almost Easter eggs and connections like, oh, look, you know, see, John's cool. The Neville <laughs> brothers are covering his version, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's neat. Um, so um, talk about, well, great. Obviously your mother had great taste in music. So yes, she does. Like to start at the beginning. So growing up, what kind of music did your fam did your mom listen to? What kind of family did your music did your family listen to? So um, I'm really glad you phrased it that my family, because um, as I said, my mom was a teen mom. And so she was listening to pretty cool stuff by comparison. She was listening to the Neville brothers and we were always listening to tapes in the car and kind of our, our big thing to do, um, not from a family with a lot of money, is we'd get in our car and go visit my aunt and uncle who lived in Vermont. And that's the same aunt who uh, happened to be passing out perfectly legally acquired yes. copies of Breeding Raspberry Park. Um, and they would um, make tapes. You know, they'd say, oh, here's this great record we came up with. We'll put it on tape for you. And then the activity was always well we'll fill in the rest of that 90 minutes on the cassette with whatever songs or whatever and they were adamant about well you're not going to do that with John Hyatt John Hyatt has to be listened to as a complete album so my mom's like okay yeah 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 whatever but then um she just kind of started listening to first uh bring the family and slow turning and then mom and I took a driving vacation to visit my grandmother in Florida and it was so torturous because it was one of those, like the car wasn't quite up for the journey. It, the drive lasted forever for anyone who's driven down I-95. That road just never seems to stop. And my mom wanted to play slow turning over and over. And every time drive south with the one you love came on, she'd like give me this cute little hug and like, oh, mom, really? Do I have to be the one that you love driving south? <laughs> But, um, you know, it stuck and it got under my skin. So um, it was a while later, I started playing John by myself. Mm -hmm. And to link back, as I mentioned about the connection to Bruce Springsteen, it was around the time I was 12 or 13. I was old enough to be left at the library by myself, but I didn't have a way of getting picked up. So I spend hours in the library having to kill time after I had done whatever project I had been doing. One of the things that I had uh, pulled off the shelf in the library was Charles R. Cross's Backstreets, okay. which I was interested in because I was a little bit interested in Bruce. And I just I loved how he talked about creating a fan magazine. And, you know, one of the things that really resonated with me and still gives me tilts to this day is that talking about it's not about Bruce Springsteen. It's for Bruce Springsteen fans and talking about how we related to the music. And I also spent a lot of time just because I was interested pulling up various uh, articles, whatever I could find in the stacks about John, just to kind of have them. And, um, you know, I always 
enjoyed his music, but it wasn't until I had read the interview that was published, I think around 1989, um, David Wilde did a great interview with John and realized just how much of his music was autobiographical. And it was like, wow, this is not just great music. This is like someone who is spiritual and has a lot to teach one about life. So I just, that's when I became a huge John Hyatt fan. It was actually sitting in my mom's car, reading out loud the David Wilde interview. Um, and it was also about that time that we started going to concerts together, my mom and I, and this kind of dates me, but in those days there wasn't a, you know, online ticket sales because there wasn't any online yes. uh, if you called to you know ticket bastard as we called it in those days you seldom got the really good seats so the best way to get good seats was to get your butt on the pavement at like yes. 6 a.m so i was too young for my mom to trust me to go into the city alone at 6 a.m she came with me and uh we were sitting in line talking about you know how much we love john and we were surrounded by people who also loved John, which was a real novelty for me because there wasn't an online community where you could meet other fans at those days. And um, we had this little game where uh, I would say a lyric from a song and my mom would have to guess what song that came from and then we'd trade turns. And of course I won because I had that young brain. If I tried to play it now, I yes, wouldn't I, do very well. I get that, yes. <laughs> Um, and then this person who uh, was next to us in line started playing with us. And then we just got into this great conversation about how much we love John. And they said something to the effect of like, you know, it's so bad that, you know, the record companies just can't keep a fan club. We tried to subscribe to that in the John fan club that was advertised. And it just came back that it was out of business. And I said, yeah, that's such a bummer. I'd love to do that. And it's like, I've got, you know, a whole file drawer full of stuff about John. I could, you know, start my own fan club. Not seriously at all. Yeah. But this person said, you should totally do that. And I was like, oh, well, why wouldn't I do that? Because, you know, I was a stupid 15 year old. So of course right. you're going to do anything that you want to do at 15. And so uh, I put something together and I decided to call it Slow Turning, the John Hyatt fanzine. And I, uh, the first time I published an issue, I saved the money that I had been making minimum wage at this bakery. I think I printed like 200 copies at Staples and I handed them out at a Bob Seger concert. And it was really fun because a lot of the Bob Seger fans didn't know who John was. And there was a crossword on the back and I could see after John did his opening set, people trying to figure out the crossword based on the songs that they had just heard. And um, that project has changed a lot as technology has changed a lot, but I'm, I'm still doing it. I, I'm still the fanzine girl putting together stuff for John Hyatt and sharing it with other fans. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, this is a lot to unpack there, and I love yes. all of it. Yes, that as is I great. said, it was going to be hard to keep me from. No, talking. no, this is great. So, uh, who was it? Your aunt and uncle who were the original? Like there, like I've had several people that are second, and some even third generation Bruce fans, right? That mm-hmm. they, you know, like if you grew up in, you know, they'll make a joke, Jesse. If you grew up in New Jersey. You know, it's it's in the blood, you know, it's in right. the water. So was your aunt and uncle the one who got your mom yes. loving John? And then then you through osmosis kind of picked it up. Yes. And then I took the ball and just ran with it. And um it, you know. <laughs> is there a road to Damascus moment? Was it now obviously, you know. Uh, driving south which by the way I love that story Um, I I have said this before um, anytime someone is on the podcast that says I'm from Indiana I go and did you leave it in the back of a pickup truck right Um, you know uh, and by the way you know that John did not leave in the back of a pickup truck no yeah (laughs) he bought a car for 25 bucks that didn't have any floorboards and that shows up in another song yeah um you know, did you not go to college because you didn't have the luck? So, um, so was there a moment where the light bulb went off and you said, "Oh, this Hyatt guy might have something"? Or it was speaking uh, to me. It was in the library, and it okay. was reading that article by uh, it, the uh, title was "Clean and Sober," published okay. in Rolling Stone. And I'm sorry, I don't know the date of the article off hand but it was um we'll ask mr google yes yeah. and it was putting together uh the lyrics that i at that point knew very well with his story mm-hmm. so for example i remember getting to a paragraph where uh the author explained that uh john's oldest brother committed suicide and his father died two years later and we we're like the seventh or the oldest little Indian got sick and vanished. And the big chief went two years later and it's like, Whoa, 
you know, this is real stuff and this is him dealing with this stuff. And um, that changed me from this is really neat music to this guy is incredible. And this guy has so much to teach me about life. And he, he has taught me so much about life. I, I have been lucky enough to meet John and I've told him to his face that he saved my life. He probably didn't believe me, but it's a hundred percent true. Um, I just, you know, so you got to tell me that story. You got to tell me <laughs> meeting him and then tell me how you feel he saved your life. If you don't mind getting that. Part. I don't mind. Okay. My rule is always, I don't mind answering any question as long as you don't mind hearing the answer. No, so no, no, never. I always <laughs> we love can this. decide that afterward. Yeah. So the very first time I met him uh, was I think, yeah, it was the second slash third time I saw him live in concert. The first time I saw him live in concert, we were up on the balcony and it was just kind of like nothing to it. And then that was perfectly good guitar uh, tour that saw him the first time. By the time Walk On tour had come around, I had had my come to Jesus moment, road to Damascus moment, like you had said, and was just all in a hundred percent fan. We had found every album on the back catalog. And he was playing both in Boston and in Burlington, Vermont, uh, back to back. We got tickets to both shows. My mom and I uh, saw him in Boston and he was doing one of those uh, record store CD signings mm -hmm. at a Strawberries in downtown Boston in the middle of the afternoon. Mom wrote me a note to get out of school and said, Sylvan has something very important to do. And I said, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my first time meeting him. And it was just like, I, I, I was like, blah. And uh, he was kind enough to sign my CD. And then we followed him from Boston to Burlington, Vermont, the worst snowstorm we had had probably in 10 years. Okay. We were driving through it and uh, there was a meet and greet after the Burlington show. And he was like, you drove through that? <laughs> and we're like, yes, we had to come see you. So that gave him a little bit of an idea of like what he had to deal with. And since then, I've pretty much had a chance to say hi to him at least after every concert. And pretty much every time he's just kind of like, okay i'm not quite sure what to make of you but i'm really happy you're here were you doing the fanzine at that point or did that come later that was a couple of concerts after that so okay. i actually wrote about that experience in the first fanzine okay you know yeah yeah um so i i, I you said you've shared um you've listened to a couple of the episodes i will send you a link to one dan french Mm -hmm. uh, was one of the first people that did a Springsteen fanzine. And um, and he tells the story that he was in England. Someone in Germany says, I have a ticket for you. This was at the river, the first river tour. If you get to Germany, you can go. So he brought he he shipped copies of his fanzine to um, his friend in Germany thinking he could maybe sell a few to make some money. And uh, I will not spoil it, but that ends up him being at a sound check in Springsteen's, you know, the day of the show. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I will send you that link. And uh, it, um, I, I think that's great. And I now will be reaching out to you to get copies of these fanzines so I can read. So, yeah, this is well, great. 
I'm glad you mentioned Germany, actually, because that reminded me that I do have a couple of very special thank yous. Um, I, I have a friend who provided a lot of great information to me who lives in Germany, Jürgen mm -hmm. Feldman, and he does a website called The Perfectly Good Cigar, which is oh. a John Hyatt uh, fan uh, site. And then there's another European man named Emil Bastings, who has the JohnHyattArchives.com. And Emil uh, contacted me on a Yahoo discussion group, which is, of course, now defunct, called yeah. Shot of Rhythm. Um, and asked if he could put my fanzines up on his site. This is, uh, I think they first went online like 2010 or something like that. Yeah. So those guys have been so kind to me as the weird uh, young girl from the USA who they first started talking to when I was in high school and have been so supportive of my fandom and so supportive of the fanzines. So thank so, you for pointing that out. That was so great. I love that. Um, so I wonder if they had a similar experience. I had um, I, early in the podcast, someone I saw on social media, she was really energetic and excited. And I said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? She goes, yeah. Um, and so she says, let me tell my parents we're going to talk. And I went, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so she ended up being, you know, 15 and so my son and my wife are like you're the creepy old man talking to the team no it's about bruce it's it's about right me. right i promise yeah. Yeah. the love of music defies all ages and boundaries yes yeah. I, I promise i was appropriate uh that is great um i preface this question when i'm asking it for bruce so i'm going to continue to do this uh, the amount of times you've seen someone perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, uh, especially for someone like John. Um, there are, depending on where you locate, um, it could be hard to see him. So do you count how many times you've seen him? And if so, do you mm -hmm. want to share the number? First of all, I really love you for prefacing that question that way, because yes, absolutely. Your ability to love an artist has nothing to do with how much money you can, you know, you know, the person who's shelling out to buy that CD to hold it in their hands, in my mind, is so much greater of a lover of the artist than the person who's just like, oh, I heard this cool band's in town. I'm going to drop a thousand dollars because I've got it. So, right. I agree. Thank you. Um, and I have had this debate many times because I just told you the story about how over a course of a weekend, I saw him at a record store and then performing at um, the Orpheum Theater in Boston. And then the next uh, night I saw him in Burlington, Vermont. Well, is that two times I've seen John or is that three times I've seen John? And that's where my math really starts to fail me. But I can say that I have seen him on average, three times a year since 1995. So. Okay. So it it's everyone's up to their own, right? I count um, if I see him perform. Mm -hmm. So like I didn't count when I drove down to Austin for Bruce's book signing. You know, that was, you know, even though that took you know, four hours because I was there wasn't in line. a guitar or singing. Yeah, yeah. Involved. And, and yeah. you know, I and I got a whole seven seconds talking to him. So oh, that's he, awesome. Yes. Um, I did meet John in person once. It was 
right after Bring the Family came out, and it was he was newly sober, and we did not know that. Mm. Uh, he was at a Dallas club by himself, um, and it was just him, his guitar, and a piano or a keyboard. And um, it, you know, there were people screaming, you know, play Slugline. I killed an ant with my guitar. Oh my Do God. the usual. You know, they were just <laughs> really some hardcore fans. And he stayed afterwards and he signed all our albums that we had and was very nice. And my friend Rick, who I've told the story about, who is now passed, but who I can't think about John without thinking about Rick because he found him for me. You know, um, you know, Rick's like, sure, we can't buy you a drink. Do you want a drink? And, you know, he was oh, we yeah, were leaving yeah. afterwards like, Rick had said when I saw him in Houston he was like pouring it down and then <laughs> later you know we had we had found out that you know uh the only bars he hangs out have lettuce and tomatoes, and tomatoes yes. yeah so um yeah so that's great I'm uh I have tickets coming up he's going to be with Buddy nice. and I've got tickets for that so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that so does he tour and then new do you travel a lot or it, is he fairly does is the east coast he's always been pretty good about visiting new england which uh i sometimes took a little personally and then the few times that he's done new england and not hit vermont i've also taken personally (laughs) but um yeah i i um typically will drive anywhere from three hours uh to you know what it takes to see him okay and actually during the pandemic i did probably the craziest thing i'd ever done but it all just kind of worked out the Exit Inn in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a pretty famous gritty club, uh, was doing an anniversary series of shows where some of the artists from the 70s who had kind of like put them on the map were doing these special shows. And I flew from Boston to Nashville for one night, got to the Exit Inn. Um, it, it was awesome. Um, the show was absolutely great, but even better than the show was it was the best people watching in an audience I'd ever seen because people were acting like it was like hanging out at a friend's house. Yeah. And I got to meet Tracy Nelson, who was the first person who ever covered a John Hyatt song. Oh, and nice. I was like practically fainting and thanking her so much for, you know, doing such a great version of, and she's like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I also I, I wasn't sure if I was going to tell this story. I have to because yeah, please. You know, I'm a babbling fan. I got to meet Nancy Hyatt, John Hyatt's wife, who I had corresponded with a little bit on Facebook and what have you. And I wasn't sure how to even introduce myself, but I, I wrestled up the courage because it almost felt like standing before Snow White. Or, you know, it wasn't just meeting the wife of someone. She was like the character of these stories that had formed my childhood, basically. But, you know, I I introduced myself and I said, hi, I'm Sylvan. And she wrapped me in this huge hug. Again, this isn't COVID. And I just gotten off a plane. So it was like, whoa. And then she turned to uh, her friend and said, this is Sylvan. She's responsible for everything nice that's said about John on the Internet. (laughs) that is awesome it was amazing that i mean the concert great. was amazing and then that yeah. five seconds was probably of mm-hmm. the top 10 five seconds of my life good. yeah good um so uh did you like michael elliott's book i did i loved it um i i will just kind of say um thank you very much mike elliott for um 
noting me in your bibliography, and I absolutely forgive you for misspelling my name. Oh, okay, right to, um, I, there was one point at my job, I was, I'd reached high enough that I got a parking spot, but uh-huh. it was the furthest parking lot from the door. <laughs> It's like I could have parked anywhere else and would have been closer, but you know, so you I was had like, a sign. So I had a sign parking. So yay. But to keep <laughs> me humble, it was the furthest away. So that's right, it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he fixes it on the paperback. The paperback is due out. He, he said he would. So okay, we'll good, see. Good. Good. Um, for those, I don't know when we're going to release this out, but um, I will re release Michael. Uh, joined me uh, originally to talk about the book and then um, he was just on again and we did perfectly good guitar Mm -hmm. Uh, so we discussed that cd Uh, so he's going to be on again and he's bugging me I want to come on and talk about Bruce too Jesse and I'm like yes yes I will have you on and talk about Bruce so that's that's awesome Um, so you taught you I have to give this um I had no idea because you and I were exchanging emails and you said, hey, you know, maybe we could talk about blank and I'm not going to give the name of it yet. And I went, that's a weird, I don't know anything about this. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, 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 looking, that's exactly why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to the internet and I'm looking and I'm going. So, and I went, Oh, well, I'll be damned. So (laughs) please tell, in the words of Paul Harvey, tell the rest of the story, Sylvan. So in uh, 2002, I believe, um, there was this funny little movie based on the ride at Disney World of the Country Bear Jamboree. And it, uh, they advertised it as uh, Spinal Tap with Bears, but I actually think it's pretty much a note for note uh, redo of the blues brothers which is actually one of my all-time favorite movies and i love the movie of the country bears and uh they disney folks reached out to john hyatt and said hey could you write and perform some songs that will be the country bears songs so there's this funny little movie where these uh life-size bears in big shaggy suits and animatronic heads uh, sing and play instruments and the lead singer Ted Betterhead the lead country bear has the singing voice of John Hyatt so the album itself has a mix of um, other songs by other artists and I believe there's four by performed by John and then a couple other that he wrote that are performed by uh, Bonnie Raitt and I'm looking at my liner notes right now uh, Jennifer Page and Crystal Marie Harris. I, I was stunned. <laughs> I, I just was like, "Oh, okay. I this is this is amazing. Like, yeah. how have I not watched this movie? And how have I not heard these songs? So I got to hear them. They sound amazing, don't they? Uh, yeah. Did is it just because of doing the fanzine you picked that up, or how did well, you find about this? I think I was on issue seven of the fanzine when I uh, found out about that. And by that time, you know, we didn't really have Google alerts the way we had now, but I was online and it was pretty uh, much easier than going to the local library and 
yeah. running through stacks and whatnot to get information. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, seen an article coming that it was coming and I was there opening day for the movie. Um, my friend and I, who were probably the oldest people without children at the movie theater, laughed and practically fell out of our chairs. We had such a great time. Yeah. And um, one of the songs on there is called Let It Ride. And I know there's another John Hyatt out fan out there. Hi, Maddie, um, who that's her all time favorite song as well. It's my all time favorite Hyatt song because it's probably the one I've turned to to kind of uh, pull me through dark times more often, which is a little weird because it's not necessarily talking about dark times. But the um, chorus is every mistake is a break, but only if you let it ride. And it's just really about like you're going to get through life. You know, it's not always going to be easy, but you're going to look back and find a perspective that you just don't know in the moment. Um, that's, that's, that's great. I, I was going to ask why, um, that that's a really beautiful, uh, a phrase and, um, talk, I mean, is it just something that, Talk a little bit more why that means so much to you. Yeah. So um, again, I'll answer any question as long as you don't mind the answer. No. Yeah. Um, one of the things that in my early uh, discovery of John's story um, that really resonated with me was the fact that both his brother and his second wife had committed suicide and yeah. the impact that that had made on John. And I am a suicide survivor myself. Okay. Um, I actually attempted when I was 17. So that was really also right in the middle of my absolute fanaticism for John Hyatt. Mm -hmm. And um, just another little story that I um, tried to overdose with benzodiazepines okay. and those can affect your memory even at normal doses. So it really wiped out my memory and the doctors were saying to my mom, we're not sure if she's going to be able to graduate high school. We don't know if she's ever mm -hmm. going to have a normal life. And so my mom, while she's visiting me in the hospital, she, you know, we're chit-chatting. And as I said, we always talk John Hyatt lyrics. And she says something about, you know, the, um, any one of 263 women who will go a real man's bail. And I said, yeah, they, you know, I know what you're talking about. I was like, wait a second anyone at 2,762. And my mom just was like, okay, Sylvan's still there. She's coming back. The memory is going to find its way. And definitely um, listening to John's music, I'm sure kind of helps put not just my mind back together, but my soul back together. So um, thank you for uh, being um, honest and sharing of that. Um, I, you know, no one, sometimes people of like, it's just music mm -hmm. or Jesse, you, you seem to treat this guy almost like a God. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I go, well, small G maybe. Um, I said, but um, I had several years ago, and I know you haven't gotten to this, but I had a mom on the podcast who was uh, from New Zealand mm -hmm. and um, 
when she was pregnant, she was hit by a car. Oh my. And the child was born severe uh, learning disabilities. And uh, Adam had never spoke, just did barely acknowledge anything. And so Jamie, his mother, talked about they were in the car and a Springsteen song came on and he started nodding his head. Oh. And so she, she rushed home and she found every Bruce Springsteen and she started playing. So this was 2012, probably 2014, maybe. But anyway, um, Adam actually got to go backstage and meet Bruce. More importantly, he met Kevin, Bruce's guitar tech. And Adam was almost more impressed with that. <laughs> but um, Adam, Adam learned to read oh, wow. by reading song lyrics yes. on closed caption. Oh, wow. He learned to speak. And so I asked her, I said, do you think Adam was happy when he was in his, you know, secluded place? And she goes, as a mom, I like to wish he was, but the reality is I, I don't think he was. And I said, so not only did Bruce literally give your child a voice, mm -hmm. but he brought him joy to his life. And she said, yes. Yes. And so she yeah, helped him communicate with the world and also gave the world to him. Yeah. And I just like, don't tell me it's just rock and roll. Absolutely. Right. Abs don't you feel bad for those people? Yes, I do. I a mean, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like how sad to not get it. It's it's <laughs> it's so oh, I, I, I won't take this out, though. I should, um, you know, I there's a lot of podcasters out there and, you know, there's websites where you can go and, Hey, do you want to be a guest? Do you want a guest on mine? And so I always tell people, Hey, if you want to promote your podcast, all you got to do is come talk to me about your favorite musician mm -hmm. and I'll, we'll figure out having a discussion. We'll promote your podcast and we'll talk about your favorite musician and they'll go, I don't have a favorite musician. And I'm oh like, my God. <laughs> I, I'm so sad for you. Yeah. Like what is wrong with your soul? Yeah. Like, wow. Like, and even, you know, like, well, I, I love, you know, eighties hair bands. Great. You know, I, right. I go to the one, you know, or I love, you know, seventies disco or I, I, you know, I, you know, um, you know, cause I've talked to people that love Leonard Cohen, mm -hmm. you know, I've had, you know, the ladies that do the Daryl Hall and John Oates podcast. So I, I love that, but it is just does make me a little sad when someone says, yeah, I don't really have a favorite musician. I don't Crazy. know if we can be friends. You know how that <laughs> cliche, like we can't be friends then, you know, yeah, that's it. Um, the other thing that made me think of it, um, I have a friend who's a musician named Sarah Hickman and, um, her woman waiting to happen has the lyrics. It's no secret that I love you, but this is like a love I've never known. My mistakes brought me to this place where mm -hmm. the flowers replace the thorns. Lovely. Which made me think a little bit of the mistake. That comment, is a right? big, yeah. You know, did she play Newport folk festival? She, she may have. Yeah. I think yeah. I saw her there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so she's great. Um, so um besides the country jamboree album <laughs> are there other albums that you go to on a regular basis um all of them go to? okay so yes. you are just you rotate 
I literally have on um, my phone the John Hyatt Studio and then the John Hyatt Everything Else playlist. Sometimes I listen to them in chronological chronological order. Sometimes I put them on shuffle. Okay. And um, I like to say that my favorite John Hyatt song is the one I happen to be listening to, or it depends on the day, you know. Yeah, I but, just I just talked to someone yesterday, and he said my one wish is that I never attend my last Bruce Springsteen concert. Mm. And I said, that's, that's a very nice settlement settlement. Um, so are there, are there songs you're still chasing? Are there songs that you, if he was, that you still wish that you he haven't got to hear live that, or you, that you could hear live? Oh, so I have never heard um, Let It Ride Live because I don't think he's played any of the songs from the Country Bear okay. albums in concert, which is kind of sad. And, yes. um, you know, Maddie and I were pushing for a while, but then we just kind of said, all right, well, he's not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for a while, it used to be that when I went to a concert, I was like, oh, I want to hear the old stuff. I'd love to hear him do Sure As I'm Sitting Here, mm -hmm. um, which was the first song that kind of got recognition because it was uh, recorded by three dog night back in the seventies. Right. And I've never heard that uh, performed by John live, but I got to say that now when I go to our concert, I'm just so excited to hear the new stuff yeah. that like, you know, it used to be, Oh, I wish that I could hear some stuff before the eighties. And now it's like, no, I, I don't want to hear the eighties stuff. I want to hear the 2020 stuff. And um, yeah. Um, some of them are, pretty powerful like um when i first heard uh, light of the burning sun on the cd is like i don't know if i'm going to be able to sit through this in concert because it's a very dramatic retelling of his brother's suicide but um when i i saw it live it was it, it was like going to church and it was seeing john experience the pain and processing it and pulling himself out of it and all of the things that I admire him for in, in a way that you just don't get on CD, no matter how brilliant a recording is, there is yeah. something magic about seeing the artist live and in person. So early in my podcast, um, it, um, I would ask the question because at the time Bruce was touring with for uh, wrecking ball um, Clarence had died and so mm -hmm. they had a horn section they had backup singers they had a whole percussion section so it was kind of the E Street Band Orchestra <laughs> and then uh, then you know now then they're down to just the E Street Band which is you know 10 members and so I would ask which one do you prefer so do you have a preference of hearing him with a band or when he's doing the acoustic tour um, I don't have a preference. I, I, I used to um, really crave to hear him acoustic and one-on-one, -on -one, but, um, and it's still great when he does, but then it's so neat seeing him play off. Uh, he calls him the duet partner of the lead guitarist and what they yeah. can bring to the, uh, to the act that that brings it new. And he's always playing with so many different and exciting guitarists. Like, you know, I wasn't really familiar with Jerry Douglas before mm -hmm. the last tour, but I got to dig into his solo stuff. And, you know, Sonny Landreth is a great uh, solo artist uh, also. So, yeah, it's, I, I love the bands. I love solo. 
Yeah. Okay. That's nice. So according to the internet, though, there is no audio proof, uh, November 2nd, 2014, uh, Bruce performed, um, slow turning mm. during sound check, but there is no audio of it. So if a tree falls in the forest, right. <laughs> but John has covered Johnny 99, yes. which is from, uh, so give me your thoughts on him doing a little bit of Nebraska. <laughs> well, that's a great uh, double album, a double tribute album, One Step Up, Two Steps Back. Yeah. And of course, when I heard that was coming out, I had to go and grab it. Um, you know, huh, I'm going to lose my cred as a John Hyatt fan here, but I think that song actually kind of shows that like John is really best when he's singing his own stuff. Yeah. I, it, I, it's a fun song. Yes. But it doesn't have that... Um, that gritty desperation that Bruce brings to it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm happy because it's John covering a Bruce, Bruce. song, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, though I do think there are other songs maybe that, that would work better for John's uh, vocal, but I was just yeah. happy to see it, but yeah, that's, that's very cool. And I'm, I, I had, um, to, as I'm recording this, um, I have Gab coming on the podcast tomorrow. We recorded it. It's being released tomorrow. She does a Taylor Swift podcast. Oh, fun. Yes. And so a um, lot more downloads than I get. Taylor Swift fans are a lot more uh, social media. Uh, yes. You know, and, hungry. And, yes, and, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but she, her first show was the Springsteen show at seven. Mm -hmm. So she is, she's a Jersey girl and she loves. And so I, I told her the story that several years ago when Brian Wilson, who was my first musical obsession mm -hmm. toured Jersey, Bruce went backstage, met Brian and then joined them for the encore to do two or mm -hmm. three songs on stage. And so um, I asked her, I said, so I know there's the story that uh, Bruce brought his daughter and her friends to a Taylor Swift show and went back and played Dancing in the Dark for and signed her guitar. I said, if Bruce showed up on tour and just as a guest, she goes, oh, that would be it. I would lose my stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think if if John played with Bruce or Bruce was at a John show, I would just yeah. lose my, you know. I mean, too bad that Bruce just doesn't do opening acts, right? Because yeah, that exactly. would be great. Yes, yeah. that would be, yes. Uh, that would be so great. Mm. Um, so um, what's next? What What's next for you mm. and your fandom? Um, just keep on doing what I'm doing. As I said, uh, the last uh, fan magazine, I pretty much only did digitally because it was released during COVID and yeah. it wasn't a good idea to stand on a corner and pass things from hand to hand. Absolutely. Um, but I did get, I think, 10 copies printed and I uh, made use of the connections that I had to get one through the mail autographed and signed. So I'm just going to continue it as long as it's fun you know I, I've said it multiple times like um when Shot of Rhythm came online I was like well I guess I don't need to do the fanzine anymore because people have this way of getting to talk to each other and share information and then it was like well but you know it's kind of fun still doing it and I've always done a crossword which I've kind of found fun and people like uh 
listening to the lyrics and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out my clues. And it kind of just gives me an excuse to just spend that time um, reading every interview and review and anything I can get my hands on and um, just putting it together in a way that I kind of feel is like um, anthologizing uh, little snippets of John's career and saying, okay, this is what's been going on between, you know, beneath this gruff exterior and the next album or, you know, just what, um, how media is covering. And, you know, it's just, it's been fun. I still get to share it with people. It's a lot easier to share it with people all over the world now. And I love John. I know that's never going to change. So that's awesome. Well, you know, um, I'm, thank you so much for spending time with me. This has been a joy. I, I have, uh, tons more questions to ask, but um, I, I, I'm going to have you on again. Um, I'm already <laughs> okay. thinking of plans, but before I let you go, mm-hmm. um, I end every podcast. And so if you are uh, someone who loves Sylvan's uh, fanzines and you're active in face the book pages, um, I end every podcast with a Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is a recently retired honors English teacher, um, he has a new book out, Bedtime Stories for the Living, but he would take the song Thunder Road, break it apart, look at all the lyrics, talk to it with his high school seniors, and then he would ask the question, is Mary getting the car? So Sylvan, that was your homework. Hopefully <laughs> you did that. So your question is, does Mary get in the car? She 100% gets in the car, but they're in marriage counseling about 10 years down the line. I like that answer. And I think it's a pretty true answer. (laughs) I love that. Good. If someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Uh, Find me on Facebook. My name is Sylvan Groff. um, And yeah, uh, you can also reach out to the John Hyatt archives and Emil knows how to get a hold of me. So I don't have my own website. Okay. Very nice. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, This is truly one of the highlights of John Hyatt month. This is just so wonderful. Listeners, go talk to your family doctor, get vaccinated, get boosted. Let's all be kind to each other because that's how we're going to get through this. Thank you, Sylvan. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast would not be possible without the support and friendship of my patron backers i want to thank rob burnett mary thomas john munson terry smith bella pori crystal carroll dale hosick andrew goddard stephen malio anna lynn betsy hodges randy brown chris bloom and steve rogers i appreciate you so much and i hope to see you all at a show sometime soon doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation and i hate that So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlessingbruce and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. You can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. 
You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.